breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never heard before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Friday's show on WTMJ. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for finding us. You know, if you're a regular listener, this is our hour of politics. And in studio with Joseph Hecky, we don't even know where Bill is. We're Uh-oh. waiting for him to call in. He's can got we a- get a 20 on Makashin? Yeah, 20 on Makashin. Bill Makashin, paging Bill Makashin. No, he'll join. He's got a very busy day today. Um, we'll let him address that if he wants to. But we'll start with you, Joe, since you're right in front of me. <laughs> That smiling, good-looking face you have with that big beard on. What is the beard a year-round thing for you now? Oh yeah, it is. Okay. It's been years since anybody saw my I don't chin. Know, have or I my seen you without chin. a beard? I don't think so. Not on purpose. <laughs> I, don't know, no, I, <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. But. Like uh, you know, ten year, ten, eleven years ago when I was working for uh, President Obama, and you were the mayor of oh, uh, Oak Creek. Like we yeah, may have yeah. encountered each other, yeah, and, but yeah. like interesting. Yeah, I that, hadn't thought about that. That's what not on purpose. All means. right, because I want to be fair to Bill, he has joined us now. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm good. I know you got a busy day, so no pressure on you. But thanks for uh, thanks for calling in today. We appreciate it. I'm going to start with Joe on this one. the The governor of the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. A big and bold, to use words he probably wouldn't use. I don't, does he use words like that, big and bold? I don't think Not so. really. He's not prone to hyperbole. This yeah, guy. so he had his big budget address last night. So I'll ask you as the Democrat in the room, what was your your takeaways, your thoughts about what he said the other night? I, I thought he hit the marks. I, I mean, I think it's a little redundant to do the state of the state and then the budget address. I'm not sure we need both of them. Uh, this is not an original take. I think Slim others, it down a bit. We yeah, like it, it just—it seems maybe like overkill. The bully pulpit is not what it used to be. I'd be curious from Bill's standpoint, who used to work for a governor, whether we could find some bipartisan agreement on on the need for a budget address, as opposed to you know the leadership from the legislature and the governor get in the room. Um, but you know, I, it was very Evers. Uh, this budget is very Evers, which you know, from my standpoint, doesn't look like it's playing a lot of politics. It looks like it's trying to do the common sense, uh, smart things like cut taxes for middle and working class families, invest in education, take advantage of the surplus to make sure that we address some of the ways that kids have fallen behind in the last two years. You know, does everything from paying down uh, debt to put more money away. So it, I, I thought it was a, a good speech and a great starting point for uh, a Democratic budget. All right, let's hear what the Republican says. Bill McCaution, what do you think of the address the other night? You know what I like about this show? Joe is getting more conservative every week. He, less is more for him. I, I, I'm, this is a couple weeks in a row where he's talked about less government. I think he would argue that point with you, Bill. But we'll let it stand. I love it. I love it. So, uh, listen, I'll, t- I'll say what the Republican said, which is it spends way too much money. It taxes too much. Uh, we'll know more about the bonding levels or what we're putting on the credit card next week. But 
Uh, the Republicans aren't going to pass this version of the budget. However, I think there still is an opportunity for grand bargains on big items like a tax cut, uh, aid to local government, uh, PFAS. Uh, you know, those are things that I, I you know, education hopefully is uh, in the top five of issues that they can ultimately agree on. But the reality is um, the process won't change. Republicans will start from ground zero. Uh, for the next six, seven weeks, the Fiscal Bureau will go over the governor's documents and then the Republicans will begin to rebuild it. As the governor correctly points out, his items will always be an option for the Joint Committee on Finance to choose. Uh, but with Republicans having a 12-4 majority, they will rarely choose one of his options, but uh, his options will be on the table. But the, the budget process really starts now. All right, let me flip it, flip the script here. Joe, what is something you didn't like or was missing from the governor's speech the other night on this budget? Um, I, I would have liked to see more about implementation of some of the federal policies that can really impact Wisconsin, be that uh, red flag law stuff through the bipartisan gun safety legislation that was passed last summer, uh, more on the workforce development pieces of the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, that is a part of impacting the state's finances is what resources are available from the feds. You can't get to everything in a you know less than hour long speech, but um, that's an important policy tool for this administration. Why did you think he floated the idea of the Brewer $290, 300000000 million kind of improvement plan, stadium district involved, of course, and then didn't mention it in the speech? I, I don't know. You, you'd have that to ask that. That seems odd to me because that, yeah. that was a hot topic. I, I mean, tra- traditionally, the, that's what the governors, wh- whoever the governor is, right, whether it's Walker or whether it's Evers, they they parcel out to the press these different proposals that they're going to make. Some of them get prime real estate in the speech and some don't. I, I don't have a good answer for you there. All right, so let me flip it for Bill as well. What was something that you heard from the governor that you said, huh, I like that? Well, I, you know, I think the focus on, on mental health is, is a real one, uh, you know, not only for school kids, but, you know, people go, everyone's gone through COVID over the last three years and it's created a lot of damage, uh, not just health damage, but mental health damage. And so I think that's another area where there can ultimately be some agreement uh, on the rollout itself. What governor's trying to do is get as much exposure for individual items as possible. So as Joe correctly pointed out, for the five or six days leading up to the budget address, the governor rolled out major initiatives. One day was taxes, one day was education, one day was the brewers. Uh, I don't think the legislature or the governor want to see the brewers leave on their watch, uh, but I don't think that that was handled perfectly, to be honest with you. I think a better opportunity would have been for the governor to work that out ahead of time with uh, Lemahue, the majority leader, Devin Lemahue, and uh, Speaker Voss, and then announce that maybe a month from now or even six weeks from now when the brewer season is getting ready to uh, for its first pitch. I, I think he probably put the, his own package in jeopardy by the way he did it. Um, but I think ultimately there will be some kind of agreement that makes it through the legislature to try and keep the brewers here for another 20 years. For both of you, I'll start with Bill since he was just talking. Um, the surplus, lots of folks I talk to, people send me emails about this all the time, surplus, I want some of my money back. Realistically, we've heard the governor's proposals, we heard what uh, Speaker Robin Voss, Majority Leader uh, Lemahue said, Realistically, for the people who pay the taxes, what will we get back from that surplus, and when would that happen? And again, it's just a guess. Yeah, I think we're going to get a lot more back than the governor recommended. He recommended a 10% tax cut for people making less than 100 grand and for 
couples making less than 150. I think the Republican plan will be far more bold than that, and will spend you know it'll spend on much more of the surplus, in in essence, giving taxpayers back their own money. Uh, so that, you know what remains to be seen is whether or not Republicans decide to send him a flat tax, or if they can come to some agreement with him ahead of time. Joe. It'll be hundreds, if not thousands. That's all well and good. I think this is the debate and the fight that we that they should have in the coming months. Every single month, every single week, every single day, you hear Republicans railing about all that was lost for our kids during the pandemic. Right? How far behind they're falling apart? Why can't any of these kids read? What's wrong with our kids? It's wow, they got locked down, they got locked in. We have an opportunity to to say one time for the next two years. With this extraordinary surplus, in addition to cutting taxes, let's surge resources to address the, the the gaps in reading. To you know, to make sure mental health professionals are in every school district. Let's have that debate and do that. And if that's the difference, if that surge of spending for our kids after what they've been through changes what I get back in terms of our taxpayer dollars like if that's the difference between a thousand dollars back versus seven hundred dollars back i'll take the 700 i'm willing to do that and i think more wisconsinites are than republicans would have you believe he is joseph Pecky, also joined by bill mccaution on the phone sort of our friday forum on the politics of the state and the country we'll continue the conversation after this on wtmj Happy Friday, everybody. We are joined in studio by Joseph Hecke from Democratic Strategist. And on the phone, Bill McCaution. We'll get you guys back in the studio at some point. And apparently there's some friction. <laughs> I just I just get it. Yeah, Bill keeps accusing me of becoming more conservative in my old age. He's got a game plan. He's following through with his game plan. That's smart, smart politics. You're going you're, you're to get a talking to when you get home by your wife. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Hey, if you didn't know, we have a Wisconsin Supreme Court race. Coming up pretty soon. I've already voted. I may have heard something about that. Yes. I, vote, I voted too. Yeah, which big fan of the early voting. Uh, Bill, all right. Has Bill voted? Bill? Not yet. I made I made today. As a matter of fact, I, I like early voting too. I yeah. do. As 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 I found out, a lot more Republicans are starting to like early voting. How we'll, about we'll, that? we'll let that we'll let that go for now, gentlemen. This is the week where you get to make your picks, because by next Friday. We'll have an idea, right? There you go. All by, right. By next yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. If everything goes goes well. All right. So let's start with you, Joe. We have four candidates. I've had, well, I've had two on. I've had Kelly and Doro, and I have Porto Sewitz on at 11.08 today. Still reaching out to Everett Mitchell. Hopefully he takes us up on our offer, but I'm running out of time. Trust me. If you want to get on, get on today. So what do you think about the race? I, I think... Uh, are we making picks yes. or just broadly? Okay. I, well, you can start with the broad things you want to say and then make your pick. Yeah, I, I think the the big question remains what's going to happen between Doro and Kelly. Polling is really hard yeah. in spring primary elections. The body language of those two candidates is that it is a very competitive, very close race that could go either way. And so my picks are... I think, you know, boosted by her huge fundraising numbers, which has allowed her to communicate with the largest audience. Protosewitz will be in the top spot, and then it'll be a, a dogfight for, you know, between two and three, Kelly and Doro. I see uh, former Justice Kelly coming through. Okay. And uh, Bill? So Joe and I are in agreement on the top spot. For sure, Protosewitz will come in first based on the spending. And it is a coin toss on the on the two conservatives in the race. You know, they 
you need three things to win statewide. You need money, organization, and message. And uh, Doro's raised the most money, so that should be an advantage of hers, except for it's been negated by third-party money coming in to support Kelly. Organizationally, I'd say both of them have weak organizations statewide. And messaging <laughs> depends on who you like a little bit more. I, you know, I think it's probably a horse apiece, but uh, I would give a slight advantage to Doro because most of the votes will come in southeast Wisconsin, and that's where she's most well-known and where she has uh, the uh, highest positives. So it'll depend on who's willing to turn out on a Tuesday in, in February on the 21st. So. I'm going to give a slight advantage to Dora, but it wouldn't shock me if Kelly was able to pull it out. Either of you two have thoughts on turnout? Because, I mean, we're hearing all the you know the rhetoric, this is the most important Supreme Court election of our lifetime, all that stuff. I would expect a slight uptick. I think it's going to be pretty low. Really? It, yeah, and I think one of, the thing, one of the things that we're going to have to reckon with afterwards is one of the theories of the case around Doro was that by being in the news she would get this advantage and this boost and was this ideal candidate because she had relatively recently been in the news in such a acute way. If she doesn't come through, that really kind of pops the balloon on this notion that a lot of people are consuming our news every day. I just, I'm not sure that's how we live anymore. And, and fewer people are getting the news from the six o'clock newscast or reading the journal Sentinel or, you know, a, a different paper every day. And this might really, you know, uh, be another blow for that illusion that the news still drives a lot of behavior. Bill, does the door... I mean, I, I, Go ahead, Bill. I think it's a fair point, and, and we don't know the impact. I haven't seen any private polling. There's certainly no pu- public polling on this race. As Joe correctly pointed out, February uh, primaries are very hard to poll because of the turnout modeling. You know, but I, I'm going to dispel one myth that's out there right on right, which is if Doro gets through, she won't have third party money supporting her. That's ridiculous. Uh, but which, whether it's the Federalist Society or the U Lines or the Hendricks or whomever, they're going to support whichever conservative comes through. There's just no question about that because the alternative is a liberal court, which puts at risk all the conservative reforms that have happened over the last 12 years. So the notion that the third-party money won't be there is ridiculous. Somebody asked this question of me off the show yesterday and in advance of this conversation today, because you guys are, a lot of people look forward to this 9 o'clock hour, which I appreciate, trust me. All right, so if Doro's not the judge in the Daryl Brooks trial, is she running for Supreme Court? No. No. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's. I, I think any anyone who aspires to be in any elected office knows that there are moments of opportunity, and you know, it, 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 right? Whether it's like Barack Obama, you know, being told by Harry Reid, you know, the old guy in the Senate, like, "Hey, these moments don't come come around very long." I know you feel like you haven't been here a long time. Your moment is now. I think this is one of those occasions where she just felt like. Her moment was now. She probably, for a long time, had aspired to you know to do this, and so it went okay. Well, now we've got an opportunity. All right, bigger question then: Is she ready for the moment, Bill? I think she is. I think she's proven to be. Uh, she's gotten better every week on the stump. She's raised an average of ten thousand dollars a day, which is pretty good for a Supreme Court candidate in normal circumstances. Prosevich has raised more than that, obviously, but as I think Joe would acknowledge, most of Prosevich's money is coming from out of state. And that'll ultimately be an issue in the general. Uh, if Republicans or conservatives do this the right way, I would use that money against her, quite honestly. So, you know, when you, you know, I've heard I that argument made before. every week of the candidate. I've heard that argument made before, but at the end of the day, it, it pays for commercials to get your name and your candidacy out there. So, I mean, 
Yeah, people can complain about it, but if you're someone that's leaning for the Saywitz, you're going to see a lot of her on your TV. I love that Bill is shocked. Shocked, I say, <laughs> to learn that outside money is polluting Wisconsin politics. Well, <laughs> Not in this casino. This, this is a problem that Republicans created themselves. So this loophole was passed by a Republican legislature and signed by Governor Scott Walker. Uh, so it was meant to help him raise national fund money. And yeah, what a surprise. Self-serving legislation sometimes doesn't work in your favor. No, it's been the opposite. Ben Wickler has mastered it. I mean, he's been just an unbelievable fundraiser for the Democratic Party. We don't have anything close to that. All right. He is Joseph Pecky. Bill McC- he was Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky joining me in studio. We're just getting warmed up on this Friday. Join us in the conversation. If you have an idea, thought, comment, question, 855-616-1620. I'll throw it at the guys. We'll take a break, and then the news will follow right here on WTMJ. Real quick, a fun one, because you only have like a minute before the news. Joe, post NFL football and take politics out of it. What's what's consuming your free time right now? Uh, I'm reading a couple of books right now, one by John Lewis. We'll get to that in the grab bag. Um, I read, just finished two books, one about the history of motion. I'm just trying to you know use the February to read. You are Better my brain. so cerebral. You should do some radio. All right, Bill Makasha, what's what's filling up your free time? <laughs> Same. I've uh, I've been to the Barnes Bookstore a couple times in the last nice. few weeks. My favorite uh, recent book is uh, The Making of a Miracle by Micah Ruzioni, the captain of the 1980 gold medal uh, U.S. Olympic hockey team. That sounds good. Uh, it's phenomenal for the your hockey fan listeners. It uh, gives behind the scenes about individual players on the team as well as the team itself, and it's. Stuff I hadn't known before, even as a uber hockey fan, so I, I would highly recommend it. And Joe and I were talking during the break about reading. Reading is a lifetime passion for mm-hmm. all of us, and uh, even I was talking about my, my grandson Max, who he doesn't like reading, but he can be forced to read because he's a smart kid. And if you push these kids, nudge them a little bit, we're talking about kids falling behind. Maybe that's the way we do that. I know the the wife of um, Shaka Smart, the coach of the Marquette team. Um, I can't remember her first name. She's written on this subject. You got to get them started early, like really, really reading them books yeah. when they're one years old. Yep, I love that idea. Yeah. Spreading the sunshine on this Friday in WTMJ. We're joined by Joseph Hecky, Democratic strategist Bill McCaution on the right side. How about this gentleman from the Old National Bank talking text line? Uh, it's Friday, yay, the sun is shining, yay, and I get to listen to intelligent, balanced conversation on WTMJ. All is right in my world with a nice little heart emoji you for, should, for you guys. And you should hear what she has to say about Bill. Wow. Yeah, and she, went on, she, she elaborated on Bill McCoshin, who's apparently a heartthrob, is what I'm, what I'm hearing and seeing. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, Nikki Haley, someone that I voted for in a presidential election, right in, is now running officially for... Why are you laughing, Joe? Let's come and start with Joe. Why are you laughing at that? Because you wrote in Nikki Haley? I did. I okay. like Nikki Haley. Former okay. governor. I'm a big fan of people that put their name out there, get elected, lead states, lead cities. I voted for uh, Nikki okay. Haley. I, I know what I'm going to say about Governor Haley, Ambassador Haley, but if Bill is the Republican, this is the Republican primary, he should go first. All right, Bill. Okay, so I think... I'm not sure what lane she fits in. Traditionally, on the Republican side, you're either in the establishment lane or the outsider lane. And I don't know that she fits squarely in either one. The Trump people are clearly trying to put her in the uh, establishment lane. I'm not sure that that's a fit for her. Here's what I'd say. I don't think the race has fundamentally changed, nor will it for the next 
six, seven months. It's a two-person race between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. I think Nikki Haley can last a long time in this field. And ultimately, I think she can have a really good shot of being number two on the ticket. Somebody said this to me last week about Nikki Haley in advance of her announcement. Is she just hoping to be there if something happens to Trump and uh, and somebody blows up the Ron DeSantis campaign? She's there. She's viable. She was a governor. A woman wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? Well, I think she'll be the only woman on the Republican side, which ha- helps. It certainly does. Uh, she's smart. She's intelligent. She was successful as a U.N. ambassador and as a governor. So, And she was a reformer when she was governor. So, And she comes from the South. I, I think all those things play to her advantage, but I don't think those attributes help her overcome the deficit she would have against either a DeSantis or a Trump to get the nomination. Why did she do this at this time, Bill? Uh, listen, the message that she has that resonates with me, that was Sarah Huckabee Sanders' message uh, in the rebuttal to the State of the Union is, it's time for a new generation of leadership. I wholeheartedly believe that. I believe the majority of Republicans or conservatives believe that. We do not need another 80-year-old president. It's time for a new generation. And I, she fits that bill. Yeah, she's, what, 51? If nothing 51. else, if nothing else, Father Time's going to take him out anyway. So they better start figuring out some replacements here, whether it's Nikki Haley or somebody else. All right, the Democrat in the room, I'm giving you a chance to talk about Nikki Haley. Give me your best shot. I just continued to be dismayed by people who aspire to positions of leadership who demonstrate what appears to me to be followership. When she was governor, Nikki Haley did some great things. One great thing that I looked at and admired and went, holy cow, she helped bend the moral arc of the universe more towards justice. She was the governor who, in the wake of the AME shooting by a, you know, a, a white supremacist, said, you know what, it's time for the Confederate flag to come down. And she got it done. That wasn't easy politically for her. She got it done. She led. That's a that's a seminal moment in the history of the South. And to have your announcement speech running for president and not talk about that moment and that you know ability to get things done that needed to get done, even in the face of political opposition, I just don't get it. Like, I, and it, it suggests to me that she doesn't trust that the voters view that as progress or that Republican primary voters don't. By that is progress, and I don't believe that. I think everybody knew it was time for that thing to come down. Why would you be a leader and then not talk about it? I, I just don't get it. But I, I'm a little befuddled by the rationale for her candidacy. I understand what Bill is saying. I, I'm listen on the Democratic side. I also want a new generation. I'm not saying we, you know, we're done with President Biden yet. Like it's important to have a new generation of leaders. But you got to have more than that when you're going for the big prize. The presidency of the United States is a big deal. Take Joe Biden out of the equation. Who's the Democratic version of Nikki Haley? Um, Jared Polis, uh, governor of Colorado, maybe a Gavin Newsom, governor of California. Uh, there, there's folks out there. Maybe not with the, the foreign policy experience because she was U.N. ambassador. Um, but there's folks who are, who are reformers who have gotten stuff done and represent a new generation. Pete Buttigieg. Um, I want to... Come on. <laughs> you don't think Pete Buttigieg yeah, in his 40s represents a new generation of leaders? Uh, he represents the, the dumb part of your party. I mean, uh, he's proven himself wow. to be a complete failure. The, 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 the guy speaks seven languages and has been called a lot of things, but I've never heard anyone suggest he is dumb oh before. Oh, my God. 
he's he's proven himself to be incompetent as a as a public manager over the last two years as transportation secretary. Most recently in East Palestine, Ohio. Where is people to judge? Come on, if he's the best you got, bring him on. Well, how do you answer that? Because that's a big problem that's happening live for the folks there and then live on TV. I, I got to be honest, I'm not following the day-to-day of where the Secretary of Transportation is. He, he comported himself really well when he ran for president. He, he's a, a bright light in our party. And the fact that he goes on Fox News and destroys all these, you know, he does right, go on right-wingers Fox News. I give him credit masquerading for that, his Because we need more back so, and forth. Yeah. Um, where do you guys stand? There's a lot of train derailments as of late. Do, do we make anything more out of this story? It seems rather crazy to me. No, no comment. I think you got to you got to be asking yourself whether or not it has it's a cyber attack of some kind. I don't know if that is or isn't, and I'm certainly not creating a conspiracy theory. But it's happening too often. So, something's not right about that. Yeah, we've had several in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, just a thought. Maybe we'll revisit that at some point. All right, I'm gonna take a break. Joseph Hecke, Democratic strategist, joining us in studio. Bill McCutcheon on the phone, Republican side of the aisle. Um, Georgia is an indictment coming. What will that mean to all of the things we talk about? That's next, right here on WTMJ. You're listening to the Steve Scafidi Show. Thought we lost everybody there for a moment. But I'm back. Yes, it's Friday. Joseph Pecky joining us in studio. Bill McCasha on the phone. All right, so the state of Georgia pursuing Donald Trump's former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. I listened to the uh, recording of the phone call. Just find me 11,000-plus votes, and we'll, we'll get this done. There was obviously fraud. you got to do something about it. I should be the winner of the 2020 presidential election. Start with you, Bill. There's talk of perjury. There's no talk of indictments. It's too early for that yet. But um, they've spent some time interviewing witnesses. Now, it's not a court trial. It's, it's a grand jury. So there's, there's not a lot of back and forth. It's just asking questions, essentially. What do you make of this? And is there anything here? And I... Again, I always say this when I when I listen to that recording of the president making this ask. It's mind-blowing that someone could do this in American politics in this decade and still be a viable candidate, but maybe you have a different thought. I don't understand it, but this is the reality and this is the world. What's going to come of Georgia? What does it do, if anything, to the Trump campaign bill? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, the standards have changed so much just in the last 20 years or the last 10 years specifically on what passes as okay, right? There's no scandal too great for a candidate to, to you know, there's uh, Edwards. What was his name? John Edwards. Uh, you know, yeah, John Edwards. It, it, today he would not have had to get out of the presidential race. Yes. I mean, the standards have changed that much. Uh, as it relates to Georgia, I don't know what's going to happen there. If Democrats hope this is the end of Trump, it, they may be helping him because it'll fire up his hardcore supporters uh, beyond belief. I'm done looking backwards. I'm only looking forwards, and I'll say that every opportunity I get. I mean, we got to focus on 24, not on 2020. I, the president, the former president, called it a perfect call. You know, I don't think it was a perfect call, but I don't know that anything will ever come of it. Bill, real quick, Bill, do you think. Have those kinds of calls happened before that we just don't know about them, or is that not possible? I don't think it's possible. Okay. I really don't. That's what I thought, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. All right, Bill, or Joe, you're the Democrat here. What do you think? Well, I, maybe this is part of Bill's uh, plot to make me more conservative, but I actually, I, I'm not happy with this with this grand jury report coming out. I, I don't think that we should have a different set of rules 
because this is a former president of the United States at the center of it. The rules are the rules, and grand jury proceedings are supposed to stay, stay secret. So I don't like the precedence that this is setting, that if there is, in fact, a violation of the law and an indictment coming, we shouldn't do things differently because it involves a former president. So I'll just start there and, and say that I want folks to do stuff by the book. If there's some there there, I want people held accountable under the law, right, left, blue, red, old, young, you name it, right? But I will just say this. The clock is ticking. If there is any malfeasance that's going to end up in a courtroom being you know, argued, it's got to happen by, I would say, at the latest, like July 31st. Because once you are in the six-month sprint before people are voting, like it's getting late early, and I don't think any prosecutor or judge worth their salt wants to do this in a way that is really closely tied to an election. Sort of the same thing, but on the broadcast side, um, the Fox News stuff is fascinating to me. The actual testimony, some of the things these folks said at the time versus what they tell their audience and yet they're they're dominating in network ratings every night in America. Bill, as an observer of this, I spend less time than I used to watching it because I used to like to sample everybody, especially at election times, big elections. The, the disconnect here between what you're saying away from the show and what they're saying on the show, how can anyone watch this and say, that's my source for news? How can that be a thing? Well, people, more and more people are, are choosing a news source that agrees with them the majority of the time, whether it's on the left or the right. And, and that's, that's to Joe's point from the, our first segment, you know, fewer and fewer people are watching network news today. So that is not their primary source of news. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out on Tuesday as it relates to the Supreme Court race. But where Joe and I totally agree, there has to be one system of justice for everybody. Right. There can't be two standards. And I don't care if it's Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Peter Strzok or Lisa Page or or James Comey. There has to be a single standard of justice in America, period. God, I hope that's going to that's going to happen because it's insane. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll just say, listen, like on the Fox News hosts piece that, that are saying one thing off air and in text messages to one another and then when the camera is on spreading misinformation to millions of people. It actually isn't misinformation. It's disinformation if they don't believe it. They're deliberately misleading the audience. And again, it sort of goes back to the Nikki Haley point. The disdain that conservative media and that some conservative politicians appear to have for conservatives, for, you know, for working folks in this country, I just don't understand it. Explain it to me. I don't think there's an explanation that's easily understood. And I, I heard this once from a person in our market who will go unnamed who said on the air once, I tell the audience what they want to hear, not necessarily what's true. And when you have stuff like that happening locally, state level, national, that's not good. No. That's not a good thing. So, right, go ahead, Bill. There, there, let me give you a, a a positive here. So the, the top rated cable news program is actually on at four o'clock. It's, it's called the five and it includes four conservatives or Republicans and one Democrat. That is now the top rated show every single day of the week. Uh, and that tells you something that people are looking for a little bit of balance, right? It may not it, clearly the Democrats outnumbered on that show, but you do get that perspective. It's not all one sided. That show is higher rated than Tucker Carlson or Jesse Waters or Sean Hannity, or any of them, and it's on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, if you're looking for ratings and uh, 
That certainly makes you money. I guess that's the world we're going to live in. All right, we'll take a break. After the break with Joel and Bill, the grab bag. That's coming up next on WTMJ. Lots of positive love for my guest, Joel Zapecki, Bill McCotchin on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. They love you guys. We need more Bill and Joe. That's what you're saying. I say we just have just right. <laughs> no, I'm, I love these guys. That's why they're here. We're, you're going to take down the fives rating. You know, here's, here's the thing. That's right. It is a balanced conversation. You don't scream and yell, which, again, I don't understand the appeal of that, but you do you if that's your thing. And um, we have fun with politics as well as talk about the serious stuff. That's that's the allure of it. So to all the texters who reached out, I passed it on. Um, good stuff to both of you. All right, Bill, we'll start with you. The grab bag on this Friday. What do you have for us? So my, mine is medical in nature. I'm going to give a shout-out to my youngest son, Kale, who is having his third ACL reconstruction surgery. I'm sitting in the waiting room at UW Hospital. Uh, but I'm also going to give uh, uh, a shout-out to U.S. Senator Don Fetterman. Uh, I think he should get the help he needs. I think people should give him room to get the help he needs from a mental health standpoint. But I would say I think it's sad that the Democratic Party and his family allowed him to run. I think it was obvious that he had significant health issues since last June. And, and, you know, this is the downside of politics today is we we put people through this. And, and, you know, it's put this man's life in jeopardy. So I'm praying for him, and I hope he gets better and gets the help he needs. And I say good luck to your son as well. And, and yeah, for for, uh, Senator Fetterman, that is is an interesting story. And it shows the... the, uh, just the, how we consume politics and how we consume the people's lives who are in politics. This is real life, real time, and, and a tough situation dealing with depression, and I hope he does get the help that he needs. All right, Joe, what do you have for Grab Bag? Amen to all of that. Uh, lessons from the late, great John Lewis, civil rights leader uh, that I think about when it comes to the politics of our time and how we treat our opponents who are not our enemies, writing in his last book, uh, Across That Bridge, uh, the late Congressman John Lewis uh, quote, even though we had been rejected by society, we believed that all people had the capacity to be good. We believed not only we, but the perpetrators of violence were victims as well, who began their lives in innocence, but were taught to hate, abuse, and draw distinctions between themselves and others. We had no malice toward them and believed in the power of the truth to penetrate that negative conditioning and remind people of their innocence once again. If black Americans who fought for civil rights in the 1960s could see the humanity and innocence in the people who held them down as a race based on their race, uh, we in politics and in the public sphere ought to be able to Republican look at Democrat, Democrat look at Republican and see each other's humanity and not just tear each other down. Uh, some wisdom from the late, great John Lewis. Yeah. And just to, Amen. just to, uh, you know, piggyback off that we we've all been angry we've all seen anger it displayed not just for politics but a lot of things sports even has anger in it but if you let anger consume you and you let it consume politics and everything else it'll at some point consume our country and that's not a good thing gentlemen we'll do it again next friday joseph hecky bill mccosh and have a great weekend to both of you bye-bye all right the news is next on wtmj Breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 10 o'clock hour Friday edition. You're listening live from the Avenue Studios. Third Street Market Hall. To my left, we're on the west side of the hall, located in the avenue, on Wisconsin Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Hopefully you're off to a great start. That snow yesterday was crazy. A double, double shovel, double, double snow blow event yesterday for me. And I have to clean up today, too. My 86-year-old father just said he got in from doing like eight inches of snow. 86. I told him to wait. He didn't wait. Hmm. How about that? All right, so let's set the snow aside. It's sunny today. It's going to be warm for the next few days. Warmer, relatively speaking, not 82 like in Florida when Hugh called us yesterday from the great state of Florida. I got a lot in my mind at the 10 o'clock hour, so we're going to move around quickly here. Lots to talk about. I'm going to start with this. We know that the Brewers season is coming. Pitchers and catchers, excitement about baseball, all the off-season excitements, well, Excitement is probably a strong word, right? Concern. In some, some people's minds outright disgust at what's going on with the Milwaukee Brewers, what the team's going to look like, what they'll probably more importantly play like. Look, I'll say this, an, an overarching positive, Craig Consul's still the manager, so I have a lot of faith in his abilities to, to do whatever it takes to put a good team on the field and produce. Is this a World Series team? Probably not. And I think fans, well, I know fans, have been very patient with this Brewers franchise because we're still waiting, yet we still show up. And uh, like a lot of you, I love the Milwaukee Brewers, love the the story, love the franchise, but uh, at some point, we need a little, well, use the Bucks example. At some point, our patience runs out. We need a little something-something for the effort, and the Bucks took care of that a couple years ago. All right, so MLB beat writer Adam McKelvey Talk to Corbin Burns, who was in this arbit- arbitration kerfuffle all over like $750,000, which, I mean, if I'm the owner, I just write the check and say, look, forget about this nonsense, but I'm not an expert on how all that works. But the important piece here is listen to what Corbin Burns said here, and then we'll discuss. Give us your perspective on, on this process and the outcome that you got yesterday. Yes, this is... Um yeah, obviously, I've heard a lot about the you know the process from guys in, in the past. Um, obviously, being good friends with Hayden, he'd, he'd gone through it with the Brewers. Um, just kind of knew what to expect going into it. Um, so no surprises as far as that front goes. But um, just as far as the whole thing on, on you know, our perspective and our end of it, we just came out is more that we we're just kind of disappointed with how it went. Um, you know, the Brewers never really made real attempt to to try to come to a deal to avoid a hearing. Um, at least from our perspective, you know, I heard heard the comments yesterday, but, um, you know, from our end, just never really made that, that solid attempt to try to, you know, avoid a hearing. Um, and even even up until, you know, the days before, um, there were some phone calls back and forth, and basically it just came out that we, uh, 
we're going to end up going to hearing. I mean, that's, that was kind of how, how it ended. Um, I think we saw from, from the deadline day that we were going to end up at a hearing, um, just with the, the lack of the attempts to, to get a deal done. Um, so that's unfortunate that it ended up that way. Um, and then the, the hearing itself is obviously another story, um, which we can dig into if you guys want. But, um, it's just one of those things that just at the end of the day, it was just kind of very eye opening. Um, you learn your true value in the organization. Um, and, um, just kind of at the end of the day, it's disappointing, but, um, you know, you got to get past it and, and, um, obviously the folks is playing baseball and going out and doing what I can for the teammates and for the fans. Let me just say this about that. That's not good. Now, Corbin Burns is a professional, great pitcher, award-winning pitcher. He'll probably have a great season. But that doesn't bode well for the future beyond this year and next year. It means more than likely he won't be a member of this team. And, you know, in the era of free agency and arbitration and all this stuff, everything has evolved and changed, and it is much more difficult to hang on to players. But, boy, if there's a player... A pitcher that you want to hang on to, it's it's Corbin Burns. So don't like the way it was handled. I respect Corbin Burns for what he does in the field and for his tough comments for Brewers Brass. This is a show-me-something year here. We've been very patient with this team. Show me, show us something. And then we'll assess what our interest is in this team. There's always going to be that solid core, but you also need the folks who look for a team in contention, a winning team, a relevant team. Let's hope that continues, but lots of question marks about this Brewers team this year, and that's not a good thing. After the break, special guest, he was all over the Weather Channel yesterday. We'll talk about the storm and what he talked about after this on WTMJ. I was watching the Weather Channel yesterday because my, I'm the son of a meteorologist, and uh, who do I see on the... Uh, Famous Weather Channel. But the mayor of Oak Creek, Dan Bikavich, who replaced me as mayor, probably doing a much better job than I've ever did, who joins us on the phone line. Hi, Mayor Dan. Hello, Steve. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm good. You were famous yesterday, but you were all blasted out over the country because of the storm here in uh, Wisconsin. You know, I'm going to use a pun here. It was a perfect storm. Uh, the Weather Channel decided to come and cover the impending storm, and they were actually heading to Madison and, of course, they got out of the airport. Uh, they took lodging right at right in Oak Creek at the new Homewood Suites. And uh, once they came to dinner in the downtown square, they said this would be a beautiful place to broadcast from without driving to Madison. So they set up right in town square. So I watched you yesterday. You were almost going Hollywood. I saw you had sunglasses on. What was that about? Oh, you know, I got to wear these bifocals, and they're self-darkening. So, uh. <laughs> so what was the experience like? I, I know they were. It wasn't the best conditions because I was watching you live, and and uh, they make you wait a lot. As anybody who's done stand-ups for for national news networks, they make there's a lot of waiting. But um, t- talk about the process. What it felt like to be featured on what is a big channel, in the United States. Yeah, you know, they called out of the clear blue. It was kind of a last-minute thing. They called our communication director, Leslie Flynn, and said, you know, can we get the mayor and elected out here? And uh, I was available, so I said I'd be there. We arranged 1 o'clock. Uh, I got there, and they broadcast throughout the day, and they they kind of jump around the country. There was tornadoes going on in Tennessee. So it was about every 20 minutes, and uh, Mike Sobel was doing his stuff, and then he said, okay, we're going to plug you in was a little after 1 o'clock. He said, so stand by. Uh, and he goes, 
we're just going to have a conversation. We're just going to talk. I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, they didn't preload anything. Uh, I found it very interesting. Uh, these these gentlemen travel all over the country, and it's never anywhere nice because <laughs> yeah. nobody's interested in nice weather. They only want to see the bad stuff. Um, so if it's a nice storm in Memphis, they get to go. If it's a storm here in Wisconsin, they're there. Uh, flooding in Florida, they're there. Um, I came to the realization uh, it's not all glamour there, their jobs. Yeah, I, I thought, actually, you were right. It, it was conversational. It was kind of fun, and he, he was having fun with it as well. Stand, you never want to stand outside in a storm, but you guys both did a great job with it. So for the folks who are asking, and I already got some text on this, uh, the roads in Oak Creek in, in our area, my neck of the woods, what's it like? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, in, they're in good shape. Uh, you know, our DPW went out. We went to uh, Brine some years ago, pre-treated the roads. The plows were out all last night. Uh, I came from Oak Creek this morning. We were in we we're in fine shape. Uh, we have over 300 lane miles to do in the city, as you're well aware. It's a big job. Uh, Oak Creek kind of prides itself uh, knowing you're in Oak Creek. You can tell by the road conditions usually. All right. A lot of people know Oak Creek because of Ikea and obviously Drexel Town Square and all of our great lakefront developments. Um, not that I want you to break news, and you probably wouldn't anyway, but um, what else are you guys working on? You know, the lakefront's really the object we're, we're looking at right now. Um, we're we're going to get some more green space on the north bluff. Uh, we're going to stabilize that bluff. And, you know, much in your time, too, uh, we're going to open that up to the public. That land hasn't been available to them in 100 years, so we're hoping to get that first phase going. Um, and then around the IKEA, uh, we're on an aggressive schedule to get some entertainment venues in there, something different. Mm. Um you know, we're, we're not going to be the rock. We don't intend to be. Uh, but it's going to enhance the experience of Homewood Suites and, and visiting IKEA, um, as well as the Milwaukee Yard. The Milwaukee Yard is turning out to be very popular. Um, we're going to have a na- nationwide cornhole tournament taking place there this year. Wow, big so stuff. That's exciting. Um, I just wanted I wanted to reach out to you because I, I love the, the job you did yesterday promoting the city, and uh, all local leaders should watch some of that and, and understand that even in things like snowstorms or weather events, there's an opportunity for good publicity to talk about your communities, and I thought you did a great job yesterday, so well done, sir. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. I had a good mentor. Ah, I'll also say thank you for that. All right, Mayor Dan, thanks for taking the time to join us. Excellent. Have a great weekend. Say hello to Kathy. I will do that. Mayor Dan Bakevich from the city of Oak Creek, my city in good hands. I, th- I thought it was great. Even in the midst of the storm yesterday, he's out there having fun with the uh, Weather Channel reporter. And uh, boy, what a, a great opportunity. You can never discount, even in the midst of bad stories or storms, opportunities for, to tell your story. You know who else is good at that? The mayor of Wapan. Yes, sir. Check it out. Mayor of Wapan. I won't even tell you his name. Look it up and check out Wapan sometimes. It's a smaller Wisconsin community, but they got a lot going on. So some love for Wapan as well. And if you are a mayor in Wisconsin and you have a story to tell, reach out to me, steve.scafidi2f1d at WTMJ.com, or, of course, on the text line, the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. We'll take a break. Lots more to get to. We're just getting warmed up on this Friday, folks, as is the weather on WTMJ. Are you happy? That's the question. No, I'm just kidding. I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. I have an afternoon. My wife's busy this afternoon, so I have an afternoon to do whatever I want. 
snow's been essentially cleared. Might have to do a little quick cleanup. I'm thinking, Joe, Joe Zapecki turned me on. Maybe a trip to the old bookstore. Buy a new book to read. How about that? Maybe a trip to one of those golf facilities and whack some golf balls around. I haven't done that in a while. It is Wisconsin, after all. Hopefully you're having a great day. Thanks for finding us. I know there's a lot of choices out there. There are a lot of choices. Podcast, AM radio, FM radio, everything else swirling around you and your world, our world, uh, and you found us. So thanks for that, whether it's over the air. People still do that, trust me. They're those loyal listeners who, I want you, here's what. Here's my goal. Now, I understand it's it's a big ask. I want you to listen to the whole show. Because if you sample it, you don't get the whole flavor. We weave in the fun. Serious stuff. For example, big Supreme Court race. Third of four candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Janet Protosewitz will join us about 11.08. So I've had Justice Kelly on. Judge Doro, Judge Protosewitz, and we have reached out to Judge Everett Mitchell. Um, have not heard back. He's listening or someone in his campaign. You're welcome, but we're running out of time because I don't like to do candidate interviews week of the election. So running out of time, but we will squeeze you in, make time for you if you can reach out to us. Um, I'm actually going to talk about McDonald's newest chicken nuggets. Not here yet. But in Germany, that's coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Of course, we can review lots of fun stuff. But here's here's where we're going to go next. And I know we've got a, a, a news break come. Do I have another break before news or no? No, I'm good. Okay. Thank you, Producer Brandon. Doing a great job on this Friday, even though he's very tired, very busy. Long week for the young man. Five kids. Is there going to be a six kid? Or five? That's it. Five is, is the... That's it? You're done? There will never be a six. <laughs> hey, never say never, my friend. Never say never. You get burned by that. All right, so Vince and I were talking about, if you, if you don't know, I was a guest on the morning news program three or four times this week. Enjoyed the heck out of it with Bill Stadden, today with Vince Vetrano, legendary broadcaster of Vince Vetrano. And we were talking about this story. And I'm going to tee this up for further conversation after the news break at the bottom. All right, so... We all have heard the story endlessly, painfully in Milwaukee. All these Hyundais, Kias being stolen constantly. And I mentioned this to Vince, and I'll, and I'll say this again. This, these brands, this is a Milwaukee story. Look at the Wisconsin list and the national list. This doesn't show up. Actually, Ford F1, F-150s are one of the most stolen vehicles in the country. I guess not surprising because it's the number one selling vehicle in the country. But that's not what I want to talk about. So Kia and Honda have said we are going to have a software fix. We're going to make it free of charge to our customers, our vehicle owners. So here's my question. Is this going to, this fix, which is free, and if you don't get the free fix, that's on you, and I don't want to hear anything about it because you didn't do what you needed to do. But will this free fix for the owners of Kias and Hyundais Will that stop the flood, my word, of stolen vehicles in this market and in this country? It's my show poll today. So I gave you a few choices. You can find it at 620 WTMJ or at WTMJ Steve. Doubt it. Nearly 60% of you say won't change anything. I, and I'm curious to know why you think that is. Uh, probably if the owners do it, which I think is a really good question built into the show poll, 30%. Yes, long overdue, 7%. Hmm. I would like the yes number to be way higher. The doubt it thing concerns me 
because we have a free fix for the owners of these vehicles. And if you don't take advantage of that, can I say this? I question your intelligence. You've got a vehicle that's a target of thieves, thugs, and you don't do anything to prevent that? I'm going to be a little less nice when your vehicle gets stolen. 855-616-1620. I gave you the show poll. If you're not on the twits, you can answer on the Old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Phone call, text, all welcome. What do you think? The fix is going to be available. It's free. Will this stop the flood of thefts of these two models, Hyundai and Kia? I should say brands, because there's various models. These brands in our market. That's our discussion after the news. Having fun on a Friday right here at the Avenue Studios in downtown Milwaukee. A place, by the way, that has seen an incredible increase in the theft of these brands of vehicles. And Hyundai is the apparently the correct pronunciation. I don't care. I call it Hyundai. Is it Hyundai or Hyundai? Who cares? We know what we're talking about. All right, so again, I want to baseline it again because you're going to hear a lot of flame throwing about this. Oh, here we go. Now it's on the business side to fix this when we could just go after the criminals. Not saying that. Again, you can walk and chew gum. You can think two things at the same time. It's not one or the other. We need to put the hammer down on these folks. I'm the one that's advocated for work camps for, for habitual offenders who steal cars. And I'm talking about minors here. I'm not letting them back out. They're going to go work. They're not going home. And you can fight me on this if you want, but that's the only thing that's going to work in Milwaukee. But let's also understand this is a manufacturer who negates the argument that they don't have responsibility. That's taken away from all the people that say, no, that's not their fault. Well, yes, they are now saying they're going to do something about this. Almost an admission of faults here a misstep in the production of these vehicles. Stolen more often in Milwaukee than any other place. But they're not on the list, national or Wisconsin, of the most stolen vehicles. And I ran through both lists for you a little bit earlier this half hour. So if somebody wants to make the argument now that this is not, you're blaming the wrong person. No, we're still blaming the, the thief, first and foremost. And then a piece of that argument is, and any court that allows them to just have just be a revolving door of vehicle theft. And unfortunately, that happens in Milwaukee and other places, too. That has to stop. But we should also applaud the, the manufacturers who are saying, you know what, we can help here. We did something. We missed a step. We can try to fix that. And if you're an owner of one of these vehicles, and we've told the story here. We had a, a teammate who had his vehicle stolen three times. I believe he's gotten rid of the vehicle. Don't make it so simplistic that you fall into the talk radio mindset of, oh, my goodness, we are letting criminals off. It's more than that. And the actions of Kia and Hyundai, or Hyundai, whatever pronunciation you prefer, suggest that that argument is one they're not prepared to back up anymore, neither should you. They're admitting by this software fix, anti-theft fix, that they were part of the problem. 
And don't let any talker tell you that's not the reality because that's what it is. It negates that argument. It shifts it back to only two entities. The thief and anybody in law enforcement, the judiciary, who lets these idiots off the hook. That's where the fault lies. The manufacturer has stepped up here, and it's time to, to realize that. All right, from the, I've got a bunch of texts on this from the old National Bank. Talking text line 855-616-1620. It has been proven over and over again that thieves and the bad guys will seek out the easiest option to attack. That includes the unlocked home, the car running in the driveway with no driver, warming up, the person walking down the street not paying attention to what's going on around them. Yes, we do need serious consequences, but we also need to be tough targets. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people, you got to be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of where you park. Even to the point of looking at the history in Milwaukee of certain parking lots that have been vandalized over and over and over again. And, oh, by the way, here's another one of those business-related angles. If you own parking lots, get some supervision out there. I know these things cost money, but if you want to operate a, a parking structure or a parking lot in the city of Milwaukee, reassure your customers who are us that your lot is safe and our cars won't be vandalized when we come back. I understand there's high profit in these things. It's a parking lot. You have no one working there, and we pay money to park there. Maybe this reality, short-term, maybe even long-term, requires a vigilance, a presence, enhanced security. As much as I love business, and I've been accused of being too pro-business, business also needs to step up here. And in this story, this case, these automobile manufacturers have said, you know what, we can help. So for all those folks saying it's not their fault, you're looking at the wrong target, no, that argument is not valid anymore. Find the thieves, put them behind bars, or put them in work camps with their miners. Don't let it be a revolving door, but give credit to the manufacturers. They recognize the problem, and they're actually doing something about that. I wish other businesses were that proactive. That's my points on this Friday. We'll take a break. Somebody says, see, why are you harping on this? Because I have sat here and listened as a consumer of talk radio all over the place. How we're losing focus on the criminals. Well, no one's saying that. We can't blame the manufacturers. Well, the manufacturers have, have muted that argument. It ended that conversation. Although I can tell you that we'll still hear it. You can't think two things at the same time, folks. It's frustrating for me because this is this is the dumbing down of America. This is one of those. This is going to be a little bit of a um, a big picture assessment. We live in a country now where the leading voices have been caught red-handed by text, by transcript, saying the exact opposites of what they tell their listeners every night. And yet our reaction is, eh, no big deal. Doesn't matter. Still popular. Still going to watch. Does one ever, as a consumer of that nonsense, do you ever say to yourself, why am I, is this entertainment? Do I not care what the facts are? 
when a Tucker Carlson, a Laura Ingram, and not not just pick on Fox, but they're the target of the suit by Dominion, who's, oh, oh by the way, not going to let them get off the hook. They're going for these guys because they caught them red-handed lying to their listeners. Does that not matter? So when you have talking heads saying that it's not the manufacturer's fault that cars are stolen, but that the manufacturer actually admits that there's a problem here and they're going to fix it, oh, by the way, for free for consumers, you just ignore that and you go right back to the tough-on-criminals argument, which none of of us, no real, normal, rational person says is a bad idea. It's the silliness of the argument. It's the dumbing down of our country based on nothing more than politics. And if I, have a, if I have a mission statement for this show, it's to point this stuff out. Now, I could have sat here today and I could have done an hour reading from the transcripts of a Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Hannity, Sean Hannity. What they really said about Donald Trump, what they really said about what he did and what this fake election rigged election nonsense was about. But I'm not going to waste your time. Read it for yourself. That's your homework. Go read it. Because what they say on their shows is the exact opposite of what they said in real life, real time, with each other and their network owners. It's it's an astounding declaration of the insanity of politics and probably more specifically political conversation. It happens there. It happens in local radio all over the country every day. Saying things not because they're correct or fact-based, but because the audience wants to hear it. That's not news. That's not even intelligent opinion. That's entertainment. So when you watch shows like that, and I picked on Fox, there's other examples. MSNBC gets involved in some of this nonsense as well. The cheerleading for candidates, the cheerleading for one party over another. We've allowed that to happen. So whatever you think about facts, whatever you think about news, we all have opinions, trust me. But if you're going to have an opinion, if you're going to be considered trustworthy or a source for smart, intelligent opinion, you sure as heck better not be caught red-handed, red-handed saying the exact opposite to your peers, to your managers, and or to your owners. Because in my world, that's a lie. And if we accept that lie whether it's talking about car thefts or election rigging or what candidates stand for or don't stand for, it's just going to get worse. All right, after the news break, we are going to be joined by the third of four candidates running for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Janet Protasewicz will join us. Same questions I had for the other candidates. We'll ask those questions on the biggest stick in the state, that is WTMJ. 
breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. Showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. All right, let's get right to it. If you listen to the show, you know I, I, I'm invited. I've invited all the candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Let's get right to her. From Milwaukee County, Judge Jennifer Dosewitz joins us on the phone. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful on this Friday. It's warming up, sunshine. We got a little snow, but we'll deal with it. We're Wisconsinites, hearty Wisconsinites. Let's, I'm going to ask you many of the same questions I asked the other guests that were on. First and foremost, why are you running? Why now? Well, there's really a really very simple answer for that. Um, the stakes are so incredibly high. Everything that everybody cares about is going to come into this Wisconsin Supreme Court chamber. And we need a justice who's going to bring common sense back to our Supreme Court, change back to our Supreme Court, root the decisions in the law, and get away from uber-extremism. And that is why I am running. So I heard, I've heard the term the law. I've heard the term the Constitution. Define your judicial philosophy from your perspective on how you apply those realities. Thanks for that question. Every single day when I'm in court, you know, I have a, you know, open mind. Everything is balanced. Nothing is predetermined. Everybody is treated exactly the same. And, you know, we're all human beings when we handle these cases. And that means that, you know, obviously you like some litigants more than others. You like some attorneys more than others. But everybody is treated absolutely the same. And you crack out those statute books and you crack out that case law. And, you know, you look at the plain meaning of the statutes. You look at the, um, you know, legislative background and you come up with an answer that is fair and appropriate under all of the circumstances. And you follow the law. You follow those case laws. Now, I've talked to a lot of attorneys over the years of the six years of this show. I've talked to justices, both former and current. Um, there always is a place for interpretation. I, I think that's ultimately the role of Supreme Courts, whether Wisconsin or the U.S. Supreme Court. That's where it gets tricky, and that's, that's why I asked the question. You know, there's even been conversation about issues signaling from candidates in this race where do you fall on that issue and, and your thoughts on the interpretive piece of understanding what the law says and what the constant constitution lays out sure so like what i just talked about you know on the circuit court is basically what we do all day every day when you get to the court of appeals the court of appeals is an error correcting court and they look at the cases that we've handled and they determine did we get it right did we get it wrong do we have to change something and you know, they try to fix, you know, what we've done wrong or they affirm what we've done right. And you're right. The Supreme Court is, you know, distinguished to a certain extent because we are, quite frankly, developing the common law as we go forward. And I mean, I think that obviously there is, you know, a room for interpretation and, you know, you know, 
great minds can agree and disagree on a number of the issues. But what's really concerning is if you look at our Wisconsin Supreme Court and the number of cases that have been decided four to three over the years, those four to three decisions, you know, I don't know that our courts should really be that close all the time. You know, some issues should be, I would think, a little more like 7-0 or 6-1, but there just seems to be such a bank of four to three decisions. But I agree with you, Steve. The ideology has to be developed. There's room for interpretation when you get to the Supreme Court. The common law is developed when you get to the Supreme Court. I'm not going to ask you how you're going to rule or what rule, potentially rule on something, because that's inappropriate. But I will ask you, as you go around the state, and I know you've been all over the place, um, right. what are voters telling you is the thing they are concerned about from the perspective of a, of a Supreme Court justice or candidates? So in re- they're, they're concerned about a number of things. I'm actually, in a, I'm actually in a parking structure in Madison right now. I spent the night in Eau Claire, and I was in Eau Claire for a number of events yesterday and in Black River Falls. So you're absolutely correct. We are traveling the entire state. In regard to issues, people are concerned about women's reproductive rights, and people are concerned about gerrymandering. Those are the issues that people are concerned about. In regard to the Supreme Court as an institution, People are concerned about the extremism, what they um, perceive is a court that has predetermined outcomes. They don't feel as though the Supreme Court has the level of integrity and independence that they would like in that particular institution. And, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, the other branches of government are different and they seem to understand and expect that there is going to be you know, some fighting and, you know, that there's going to be some mudslinging perhaps with the other branches. But they want the Supreme Court. They want the courts to be different. They want there to be a sense of decorum. They want there to be a sense of independence. They want um, decisions that are made really based on the law, and they don't want those predetermined outcomes. And when I talk about predetermined outcomes, you know, one thing comes to my mind, and that's, you know, a recusal rule. And people have talked to me about that. You know, we had a forum in Madison recently, and of the four candidates, I was the only candidate who came out in favor of a recusal rule. That meaning, you know, if individuals or entities or corporations are, you know, supporting your campaign with tremendous amounts of finances, should you really still maintain, you know, a seat on that case? Or should you step back? And, you know, all of my opponents said, you know what, the justices can figure it out themselves. And, you know, people are very concerned about that. People think a lot of outside money comes into the courts. People think that um, justices have conflicts of interest, and they don't understand why justices refuse to step back. That's another issue that people talk to me about on a very regular basis. Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protosiewicz joining us, candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Very important to get out there and vote on uh, election next week. So when you're, when you're out and about talking, you, you obviously have had some forums. What have you learned about yourself in this process? I've asked the other candidates that as well. What, what have you gleaned from this, I don't, I don't want to call it an adventure, but this experience that you, you maybe didn't know before you started? Well, you know, I had a state, I had a um, contested race in the past in 2013. So there are some things that I was aware of. But I'll tell you, the fact that the people in this state care so deeply about this election everywhere I go. You know, I was in Black River Falls, and the people there said to me, you're the only candidate who came here. And they had a packed room in their public library in Black River Falls. 
two events in Eau Claire yesterday was overflow people trying to get in. We had an event in Milwaukee on Tuesday where we had to start turning people away. And one of my campaign, you know, managers, you know, took the microphone and said, we are way oversubscribed for this event. We are so sorry. There wasn't even a place for people to park their cars. And what I'm seeing is this, like, outpouring of love, care, and concern for this beautiful state of Wisconsin and that people want that independence back. People want that change back. People want common sense back on their Supreme Court. You know, a couple weeks ago I was in Barnabald, packed room in the snow in the library. The library opened for us before the public library was actually open to the public, a packed room. A 90-year-old woman in that library said to me, I shouldn't have come out here in the snow. I could have fallen and broken a hip, but I had to. This election is so important. And then we drove to Mineral Point in the snow, and probably 100 people packed into an art gallery to talk about this race. And then we went to Spring Green to their community center, and then we went to Mazomany. And everywhere we go, I am literally, literally astounded by the crowds that are coming out to talk about this race. (laughs) You know, it's a spring primary, and spring primaries in Wisconsin are in winter, and it's cold, and it's snowy. And people just want to talk about this race. They want their Supreme Court back. It is just, it's almost, you know, it's miraculous to watch it. Appreciate you taking the time. You're you're our third of the four candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protosiewicz. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Stephen. Have a great day. Absolutely. And as I said over and over again, our goal is to have all four. Dane County Judge Everett Mitchell is the fourth. I've invited him through email. I think we've even texted his campaign staff. He's welcome to come on, but time is running short before the election next week. But he is more than welcome. That is a subtle difference between what I do and what everybody else does. I have the candidates on so you can hear them in their own words, their own voices, talking about the issues that they're hearing about as they go around the state. Big election on Tuesday. I don't know if it's the biggest one ever, but it's a big election. And if you haven't voted, please take the time to do that. We'll take a quick break. Lots more to get to, including this McNugget story from Germany. I'm fascinated by this. Will it happen here? I don't think so, but we'll find out after this. This is the Steve Scafidi Show on WTMJ. Tatum puts up another three and zeroes in again to Jalen Brown, and Brown carries the three. And this season will come to a resounding thud to end it. All of the lights. Giannis throws it off the backboard to himself with a two-hand flush. Scoops it up and in. Middleton three-pointer is good. Steps back, fires up the three for the tie. And he will throw it down. Delicious. Keep going all the way this time. Hey, this is WTMJ Steve's Confidity for Educators Credit Union. That is my credit union. I love working with them. You will, too. Being a parent can be busy. Trust me. Minded Money from Educators Credit Union provides an easy way for parents to pay allowance, assign chores, teach financial lessons, all from their phones or computer, and with no monthly fees. That's important. Children and teens can even receive their own debit card, and parents can set limits and track their spending. It's a win-win and just another great perk of being a member at Educators Credit Union. Join me. Learn more at ecu.com. Federally insured by NCUA.
Paid for by Jennifer for Justice. You've seen the attacks on Waukesha Christmas Parade Judge Jennifer Doro. The truth is, Judge Doro's tough-on-crime record has earned the backing of over 100 sheriffs, police chiefs, and prosecutors. So why the attacks? Mark Belling explains. The leftists aren't out there looking for dirt on Dan Kelly. They want to run against Dan Kelly. The person they're afraid of is Doro. She's a veteran circuit judge in one of the largest counties in the state. All of the administrative judges in the state make her the chief of the administrative judges. She's personally released. She's more qualified than Dan Kelly was. The only way this race is going to be won is if A, conservatives are unified, and B, they run the best candidate possible. And that's why I urge Doro to get in. For heaven's sakes, Dan Kelly already lost one Supreme Court seat for the conservatives, and he seems now to be trying to lose us another one. If it's not going to be him, he doesn't want a conservative be in there. There's a reason the left is attacking Doro. She's the only conservative who can win. This Tuesday, vote Doro for Supreme Court. Unbelievable news. New Generation RV has sold to the incredible Marquardt RV family. New Generation RV has only eight weeks to liquidate the entire RV inventory. Do not buy at the RV shows or risk overpaying by thousands. The majority of RVs are being sold below invoice. You might save up to $15,000 over other dealer prices. This liquidation is an opportunity of a lifetime. New Generation RV liquidation, six miles east of Lake Geneva or at NewGenRV.com. This is the Steve Scafidi Show on WTMJ. Busy day. We're, we're all over the place. Guests, politics. A lot of people, um, I did a lot of talking in the uh, in the 1030 slot there. But sometimes I, I get so frustrated with this idea that people say things that they know aren't true or they don't believe in. But they do it for a different reason than fact-telling, just getting to the root of the problems. And the reason why this matters is this. And again, this is one of those higher-level conversations, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Look, if your argument with Fox or MSNBC is it's just entertainment, that's not the way they're putting this forward. They're casting themselves and their networks as the arbiter of truth. So when you have an arbiter of truth, I'll use their words, who says something out loud on a radio station, on a network on TV, hell, on a podcast, that is the direct opposite of what they say in real life, which is captured in emails, text, phone conversations, doesn't that give you pause? Doesn't that say to you, Wait a second. So you're saying this in real life when you come on the show and do your thing, you're saying something completely different, whether that's about rigged elections or candidates or the issues of the day, which is really my, my final point on this. Why this matters. I had a nice conversation uh, on the text line with a, a fan of the show who disagrees with me on this. And uses the, the entertainment argument. And I understand that. Trust me. I worked in television for a long time. That stuff sells. And there's a reason why Fox does as well as it does. Because it is clearly capturing something in America. Whether that's political anger. Whether that's the absurdity of politics. It's clearly making them money. But here's why it matters. 
Because a company, in this case Dominion, said, you know what? You are saying things, outright lies on the air every night about our company, about our work product, which in this case is counting votes, that aren't true. So smartly, they sued entities like Fox and others. Said, okay, you want to play that game? You want to play the fake game, entertainment game? All right, we're going to hold you to it. We're not going to plea deal this out. We're going to make you, force you to tell us what you really think. And you know what? When they went to those entertainers, if that's what you call them, or political commentators is the more general term, they said nothing like they said on their shows. They said the opposite. So the reason it matters is because how would you expect this country on any issue, whether it's border policy, economics, inflation, recession, Fed policy, energy policy, international relations, how would we expect to get to a point where we're actually, one, smartly talking about the issues, or two, actually trying to resolve the issues? And the answer is, we won't. Because this empty-headed nonsense sells. So my question for you is, do you understand the reality? This is not in dispute. This is not a question. And a texter said, why don't you read the transcripts? Because that's boring radio. If you'd like, I'd give you a link to the transcripts. You look them up themselves. Look what Sean Hannity said. Look what Tucker Carlson said. Look what Laura Ingram said and others at their network when they were under oath and asked the facts of the situation about Dominion and voting and election rigging. It's nothing, not even close. Matter of fact, it's 180 degrees different than what they say on their shows. That's why it matters. Are you serious, or do you want to play political games? you want to own the libs, or do you want to play political games? Are you actually vested in success of the United States? If you're not, then you're part of the problem. I have so many conversations who people with people who say these things. They repeat the talking points they hear on these entertainment shows. They pretend, perhaps, or they lie or repeat the lies, because it's, it's fun for conversational purposes all the time. So many conversations away from the show. And what I always tell them is, you got to dig a little deeper than that. Got to look a little harder. Doesn't mean some of the things that Republicans advocate advocate for aren't really important. They are. Serious Republicans. Like Paul Ryan. Doesn't mean Democrats don't have a good idea here and there. Bottom line is, we got to grow up. And if we don't grow up, and if we don't tar- start taking these things seriously, it gets worse, folks. It's not just about ratings. And if, if that's your sole motivation in doing a show, I don't want any part of it. It should be about truth-telling, getting to the bottom, fixing things with your voice and words that lead to action and legislation. Bit of a speech, but sometimes, you know, you got to stand up on a soapbox and make the speech. Man, we have a broad range of topics today. Let's talk some McNuggets. McDonald's restaurants. They're German locations. Now, first off, 
If you'd have told me before I read the story that they had 1,400 locations in Germany, I'd say, you got to be kidding me. Maybe 400. 1,400 locations, McDonald's restaurant in Germany. I had one. I had McDonald's in Kuwait. I had McDonald's in um, Cannes, France. Cannes, is it Cannes or Cannes? Cannes, right? You tell me. You're the, yeah. you're Mr. Global. Yeah, Mr. World Travel. Yeah, they're everywhere. So here's the story. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this, but this is kind of interesting. It's not here yet, so caution. Don't overreact. We know a lot of us have the uh, the tendency to overreact to things. And if you want to join the conversation, 855-616, the old National Bank talking text line. So they announced to their customers in Germany, they're going to have chicken-free nuggets. Listen to the ingredients. Tell me if this sounds good. Peas? Corn and wheat. Now, I like the, the tempura batter. I like the tempura batter. I just had a fish fry with some of that. It was amazing. Um, it comes from this, a collaboration with a company called Beyond Meats. Why do we need to go Beyond Meats? Isn't meat good enough? <laughs> Producer Brandon giving his thoughts. The future of these McPlant nuggets obviously will depend on customer demand, right? Will they like them? So here's what I'll do, because I know some of the McDonald's folks listen to the show. I will try these to see what I think. Now, I've had the fake burger. Not a huge fan. I know that they all kind of tried to do this, and we, we I think we did a taste test with uh, Charlie Barron's one time on the show. He was the only one of the three or four of us that liked the fake burger. I don't know what that says about Charlie, but you know, take it for what it's worth. What's wrong with the current nuggets is my question. When you have a Picasso, a Rembrandt, of a fast food item like a McNugget, which you can eat on the road, you can fling those suckers in your mouth, at the same time whisking them through the barbecue sauce without spilling a drop and still driving down the road safely, why would you mess with that? Why would you interrupt culinary perfection? Is there a big demand for this? I don't know. You tell me, 855-616-1620. I don't need it. Here's my concern. Not fake news, real. Happening in Germany as we speak. Not here yet. So pump the brakes on the anger. Would a McPlant's fake non-chicken version of the McNugget. Now, I would argue, I don't know what the hierarchy of McDonald's sales are, but I would, I would argue the McNuggets way up there, especially for kids. My grandkids love McNuggets and cheeseburgers, of all things. Those two things. Absolutely love them. So are parents going to start forcing their kids to eat these fake nuggets? It can't be healthy. Well, it is healthy. It's it's it still can't and, be healthy. I think the tempura batter probably takes the healthy. Yeah. Are you going to try these things? Absolutely 100% no. <laughs> Where are you on the McDonald's meter? Are you pro-McDonald's? Yeah, I am. I am. It's it, When you get that craving for it, too, and you go to a good McDonald's and you get a good meal from McDonald's and it hits the right way, it's a great film. There's nothing better. I love it. Yeah. I will not try this, <laughs> nor will I have my kids try it. Well, what if they want it? What if they say, Dad, I want to I try will it. tell them I know better. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But I don't think they would. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, what the mom and dad reaction. Look, is fast food good for you? I don't think so. But you know what? Everything in moderation. Do I eat fast food every day? No. But once a week I do. This week I haven't had any. But to be honest, being a, a bachelor this afternoon with my wife very busy, I might go after... I'm going to chase the McDonald's. 
I might have something here at Third Street Market Hall. I, who knows what I might do? It's a dangerous position when I have no tethers on me. All right, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line uh, from the 773. That's a big McNo for me. Clever, well done. Like that. Uh, 773, ew, which is a good response. Uh, 920, who really knows how much chicken is in a real chicken McNugget? I trust the folks at McDonald's. I like a good McNugget on a And occasion. I don't even want to know. Yeah. Just keep giving me what you've been giving me. I'm yeah. good. I'm still here. What's the downside? I mean, I, again, I wouldn't eat them every day. Um, let's see. Who, a lot of the, you know, how much chicken's in a nugget. I don't know. We can ask the question. We'll see if they answer. Um, I would not call the fake stuff a healthy alternative to meat. Plenty of, of vegans or vegetarians can eat poorly. But it does give them a choice when dining there with someone else who is nuts. Just a choice. Then don't eat it, Steve. Was that a scold from Diane? I think it was. It was a bit of a scold. <laughs> it sounded like it was. All right, Diane, I love you, so I'm going to let you go on that one. And I'm in a really good mood today. Even with people that don't, don't understand the entertainment value of some of the political commentators. A quick aside. Um, from the 414. The carnivore in me says it's here to stay. That was my next point. I'll just get to it now because we're going to do um, we can review after the break. Um, there's a wave happening in food. Now, and again, it's the whole, there can be two realities at the same time, which I know is hard for some people. You can not like criminals stealing cars, and you can also support manufacturers who understand they, had, they were had a problem. Possible to think two things. So at the same time, fast food has never been more popular, even through a pandemic. Record sales, record profits in some cases, not for everybody, but for a lot of them. And also the rise of what they call healthy alternatives. Hence the, uh, the fake nuggets. Uh, Tony from Dallas, Texas. Thanks for the long distance. Listen, man, I appreciate that. Uh, BW3 has, has some great cauliflower battered wings. That's a no for me, dog. I, I, I like cauliflower, and, and my wife prepares it. Baked cauliflower that's fantastic with some seasoning. That's going to be a no for me. Because you know what? I love regular wings. If the alternative is less attractive, less good, taste-wise, than the original, why do I go there? I understand, you know, there's health and all that stuff. I'm not naive to it. Uh, 262. Do you know what is meatless salads? They should bring back the salads to McDonald's before they start messing around with the nuggets. I don't know the, the, the reasoning behind I used to eat a McDonald's salad on occasion. But to be honest... Give me a double cheeseburger any day of the week. Here, here's my reality. This is this is Steve being brutally honest and open because I, I host a three-hour talk show. If it wasn't bad for you from a nutritional and um, yeah, tr- nutritional perspective, and the fact that you you, know, you have to worry, worry about salt and, and all those things, for me, I would eat a large fry from McDonald's every day of the week. I'd probably have a double cheeseburger every day. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. What's your What's your go to McDonald's meal? Like if I If I were to say, "Hey, Steve, I'm going to McDonald's. What do you want?" Um, well, are you asking me what I would do in the in ideal world or what I actually eat? No, right. What I actually eat? What you actually eat? So if I go to McDonald's, which is never more than once a week, sometimes once every two weeks, a regular hamburger or a double cheeseburger, depending on my appetite, a small fry, because I don't need a large fry. It's just one person. <laughs> you get a lot of fries, and a and a Coke. That's close to mine. Yeah. I like the McChickens. 
Those are also good and cheaper, by the way. They're they? cheaper. Yeah, they used to be a dollar, but yeah, they're not anymore. But like the McChicken with the buffalo sauce, and you dip yeah. it. Oh, it's so good. I'm a big fan of those, but also I mean, we all have different tastes. All right, so lots of nugget commentary. I'll do a little bit of that. We also have week in review coming up in a, in a bit. Sponsored by the great folks at Outdoor Living Unlimited. That's all coming up as we wind down our show and wind it up for Jeff Wagner on this Friday right here in WTMJ. On the question of the McPlants non-chicken edition of the mug of the McNugget, currently being tested in Germany, not here yet, but in Germany. This from the four one four. Steve, my grandpa, who was a farmer, said the McNuggets were the best, were the last part rather of the chicken to make it over the fence. That is, we all know what that means. That's our, and that is today's text of the day. Thank you for that, 414. Diane, I, I challenged her, so she she says she loves me, which is good. Thank you, Diane. And she, too, can also walk and chew gum at the same time. So there you go. Diane gets it. One one might say in Tom Cruise terms, she completes me when it comes to the life of a radio host. Thank you, Diane. All right. One thing we do every Friday here on WTMJ is the Week in Review. A final call for a fallen officer. Possible state bucks for the Brewers and a biennial budget buzz. That's a lot of bees. And more, it's the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Get nuts. Let's get nuts. Three, two, one. Let's the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. It didn't come from one person. Everybody said we had to step our game up. Man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our name. Airspace over northeastern Wisconsin was closed on Sunday just before U.S. military jets shot down that unidentified object over Lake Huron. The missile landed harmlessly in the water of Lake Huron. I expect to be speaking with President Xi. You're going to get to the bottom of this, but I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. A visitation underway in Brookfield for fallen Milwaukee police officer Peter Jerving. A hero is an ordinary person who faces extraordinary challenges with courage, honor, and self-sacrifice. Prepare for the final call for squad 4320. Officer Peter Jerving, badge number 3422. No response from squad 4320. People gathering along the procession route to pay their respects. Everybody takes them for granted as far as I'm concerned. The Heart of Harmony Barbershop Quartet. I will smile all the while you're by my side. The state's surplus money could be used to help maintain American family fields, so says the governor's office. It'd be cash, it'd be sitting in an account, earn interest, and would basically help pay for work on the stadium. Maybe in the end it's the right solution. I have to say I doubt it, but I don't know that today because I don't have all the facts. Bringing people together and generating a consensus is the way that this should have been done. It was a nasty fight in a school hallway Tuesday afternoon. Wauwatosa School District confirmed an adult parent was involved in what started as a verbal altercation and and then got physical. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Holiday launches up a three-quarter court. Three, he hits it. Thank you very much. He's going all the way to the basket. He missed. Oh, he got it in. He got the tip. With 1.6 left. I have no problem with Ian Rappaport, Schefter. I think they really good at their jobs. When it comes to me, they don't know 
you are now on the inside of what I like to call the Burns family circle of trust. Helicopter, helicopter. Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport says it is responding to noise complaints regarding a new helicopter tour near the corner of Howell and Layton. The Wisconsin Fugitive Task Force arrested 114 offenders and cleared 213 warrants. The Honorable Tony Evers. Governor Evers began his biennial budget message in the assembly chambers Wednesday night on a positive note. We begin this biennium the best fiscal position we've ever been. I have seen this movie before, produced and directed by, by Tony Evers. Looking at anywhere from six to eight inches of snow. If you're snowed in today, there may be an alternative to digging yourself out. Plows and mows, both with a Z. To get an instant price, um, you know, you know exactly what you're going to pay. It gets dispatched out to the closest snowplow professional. Let's get right to the roads, which have been a mess, Debbie. It is a nightmare, John. Um, and there are a lot of people that are not heeding the warnings. There are people that are driving way too fast for the conditions. Why is everyone so stupid? What a week. Wait a minute. Did you forget about me? That is, that's a good one. Good edition. Week interview brought to you by Ultra Living Unlimited. We'll wrap up my show, which one underappreciated radio magazine said is the, the show where you don't have to check your brain at the door. You should check that out because that's a good show. All right. After the break, we'll update our show poll, see where that stands, and we'll hear what Jeff Wagner is going to talk about. That's all coming up next right here on WTMJ.